Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio on WGR Sports Radio 550. You're the coach, Kyle Shanahan. It's your job to make sure you articulate what the situation is, that your players know all the rules they need to know. That's number one. Number two, hold the players accountable. Last time I checked, you can read. Yes. You're playing the game. This is your profession. How in God's name are you going to be post-game at the Super Bowl and talk about you weren't even aware of the circumstances of an overtime game when it's a Super Bowl championship on the line? As much as I disagreed with Stephen A. about the I can't believe Lamar Jackson was unanimous and, you know, go shame anyone who didn't vote for him, which is ridiculous last week, I agree with him there for sure. Like, it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter in a vacuum if the, you know, 49ers players knew or didn't know. It's not like they're going to play different on the overtime. But it's absolutely on Kyle Shanahan to at least – make them aware, and they should have been aware for a while. I mean, that was it. what Andy Reid did. That To me, it's just a window into coaching. It's a window into how you operate. And the guy I'm going to have on next knows all about that because Bill Belichick, that's, he, he knows all of those rules, and he, he tells his team. They understand all of those rules because you never know when there is a situation that comes up in a game or in a season where you got to understand that. And there's going to be things that you know, players don't have to know, but – it's on coaches to, to have them understand these things because there's a window. To me, that's where my feeling is. It's not that the 49ers players didn't know in the moment. It's that Kyle Shanahan never talked to them about it. Like that, That's a window into your coaching philosophy, and it says a lot about you. And that would be, to me, what I'd be upset about if I was a Niners fan in that situation. Not that they lost because they didn't know the rules, but that particular situation. See what um, Evan Lazar says about that. Evan joins us as he always does from out in Boston. Easy Lazar on Twitter. I just found out it's World Radio Day. But how about that, Evan? We're on together on World Radio Day. Welcome back in, buddy. I'm honored that you would include me in on such a big day. <laughs> Thank you. Am I right? I mean, Bill Belichick, he would always make sure his teams knew a lot of these little intricacies and rules. And even if you don't have to know, it's just a window into how prepared your team is going to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, there there were several times I can tell you that going back to training camp and all the different practices that we got to see where they would have these random situations that Bill Belichick would be barking out at the end of practice, you know, down three, down four, uh, need a touchdown, need a field goal, 
uh, overtime, like whatever the case may be. And they would just run through these scenarios. And some of them were these odds that you just would never think that they would come up in a game. And then sure enough, they would come up in the game and they would be prepared. So as much as uh, right now, it, it seems like it's pile on bill for, for things that he did at the end. Uh, uh, those were one of the things that were hallmarks of the Patriots for 20 years. Before we get to the team, you cover the New England Patriots. Let's reflect on Sunday. Um, what did you think about you know how that game kind of ultimately unfolded and the the Chiefs being able to win a Super Bowl in a year where so many people felt and really it bore out where they were a little bit down this year? Yeah, I think what it comes back to, and it's you know obviously always spinning it to the Patriots for me. It's just when you remember the Patriots at the height of their powers they were never dead until they were officially in the ground. Right? Yeah, and right. like, I feel the same way about these chiefs teams that they might not play the cleanest game. They weren't the best offensively this year compared to what they've been in years past, but they still have that ability to just hang around and hang around. And then when they came to the clutch moments late in the game, they were able to just ride those occasions a little bit more uh, than the 49ers and the, the drive in overtime it really, I tweeted it out right afterwards. Uh, that was like a, a vintage Brady drive of, you know, you need yep. a touchdown to win the Super Bowl. And was anybody have any doubt whatsoever what Patrick Mahomes was going to do in that situation? It, it reminded me a lot, you know, obviously different scenario, but because of the Kyle Shanahan comparison it, uh, of the Falcons Super Bowl in 28-3 when the Patriots won the toss in overtime and they got the ball, it was like a foregone conclusion that they were going to win the game at that point. And I feel the same way once, you know, the Niners kicked the field goal in overtime and gave the ball to Patrick Mahomes needing a touchdown to win it. I was like, well, this game is over. You know, he's just going to go down and, and score a touchdown. And that's exactly what happened. So uh, as much as I think it irks a lot of people around New England that he's already being crowned uh, the greatest quarterback of all time as he's four Super Bowls short of Tom Brady, uh, I can still see uh, why everybody is, is giving Mahomes his flowers and he, he definitely deserves it. I, I agree with giving him his flowers, but you won't find that from me. It's Brady for me, and it's going to be for a while. He's still got some work to do to get up there, but certainly they deserve a lot of credit. And it's the ultimate perfect situation like Brady had with Belichick. It's the perfect quarterback with the perfect coach, right, Evan? I mean, this is Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes is just a great scenario for that organization, and, and that's why it works so well, partly because of, you know, obviously, the, I'm not saying that another coach couldn't get Mahomes to win, but having those two paired together is a dream for that organization. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of it stems from the beginning as well for their, their two careers with Brady and, and Mahomes. Brady, I, when he came into the league, it was obviously a different game back then, but he wasn't as polished. He wasn't as ready. You know, Mahomes sits the year and then plays. and He just wasn't as statistically dominant as Mahomes was right out of the gate. But he had somebody like Belichick who was – bringing him along and supporting him on the other side of the ball with a great defense. And then as Brady, maybe around 2003, I would say started to take off and become uh, the Tom Brady that he was for the you know, better half of his career. I, I just look at Mahomes as similar where when he comes in and he starts that second year, they have Tyree killed. They have Travis Kelsey. They have this offense that was already top 10 in the league in a lot of categories with Alex Smith the year before and it was just such a great situation to drop uh, Patrick Mahomes into, and then he takes off. So I, I think both coaches have really helped those guys maybe accelerate their development a little bit faster than what people expected. And you know, I don't think anybody expected Brady to win as a sixth-round pick in his second year, and I don't think anybody expected 
Mahomes to be the best quarterback in the league right out of the gate, uh, but they were dropped into such great situations with great head coaches uh, that they almost hit the ground running. You know, there's been so much talk, Evan, about how, you can never beat them now. Like how you get, This is the year that beat them, and you still couldn't beat them, and oh my God. And yeah, they're going to be around a while. We know they're going to be around a while, but you have an up-close look, and you had an up-close look of a 20-year dynasty, but I remind people that when the Patriots won three out of four to start it, they went 10 years without winning one. Now they were in the mix. They went to the Super Bowl a couple times. But those 10 years, can, can you at least give a little bit of solace to Bills fans, Bengals fans, Ravens fans, whoever, and say, look, it doesn't have to be like this every year. There were times the Patriots didn't win this darn thing. Yeah, well, I, I think that there's, there's two things. One, what the Patriots had to go through and, and the Chiefs will have to go through this eventually. I, I think this is the part that the Chiefs haven't necessarily hit. And I know that they – moved on from Tyree Kill, and, and they pivoted in, in certain ways in that respect. But keeping the roster championship caliber around the quarterback year in and year out is extremely difficult to do. And the Patriots, over a 20-year period, they went through ver- uh, you know, various different iterations of how they were built. Uh, to win football right. games you know first it was defense and it was 07 and you know between like 07 and 2014 it's it's these high-flying offenses and record-breaking offenses and uh, then you know d- towards the latter part of Brady's career it, it starts to be a little bit more balanced again so they had to go through these different types of roster turnovers that I don't know if the Chiefs have fully done that yet like remember Brady won a Super Bowl at the beginning with like Dion Branch and Troy Brown and David Givens. And those were his guys. Then he had Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman. Like that's a completely different team. You know, like it's a completely different group of guys. So Travis Kelsey's 34 years old. You know, what, what's the next iteration? Like Patrick Mahomes is going to play a lot of football in his career without Travis Kelsey. Cause Travis Kelsey is going to be a part of, like the 2001 through 2004 Patriots. Like that's going to be Kelsey. And then 10 years from now, Mahomes might still be playing and it's going to be with a completely different cast of characters. So that if you're trying to find solace in in this Chiefs run ending, I I think that it's a lot easier said than done to do what the Patriots did, which was have a consistent championship caliber roster basically for 20 years and have it completely change and and, uh, turn over over and over again with different faces around Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and be able to sustain it. So I think that that's when they ran into, you know, the 10-year drought that you mentioned. Some of it was bad luck or coming up a little bit short, like in 07 and 2011 in the Super Bowl against the Giants. Uh, But some of that also was other teams like 09, 2010, 06. Like they didn't have the greatest of teams uh, those years because they were almost in like a mini rebuild, even though they were still competitive. Yeah, good stuff. I like that. Evan Lazar here on the West Her Hotline. All right, Evan, last time we spoke, um, I believe it was right at the end of the regular season, and you said you didn't know how the reaction would be if they did hire Gerard Mayo. What has that been, the reaction of Gerard Mayo, and how everything has happened and unfolded with the fan base, basically, in New England, and how it all went down with Bill Belichick and then circling back to hiring Gerard Mayo? Yeah, I mean, like as you would expect, Sal, there's obviously a a big chunk of fans that – we're going to be bill people till they die and are yeah. upset with the organization for moving on from Bill Belichick. And I think that those fans uh, have an argument and they're probably always going to feel that same way that they would have much rather have seen Bill Belichick just end it here, whether it was four win seasons or not, they it would just like he owed it, they would owed it to him. 
right, to to go out on his terms mm-hmm. and, and to end it. I, I think that there's a lot of other people, too, that, you know, just to, on the negative side of things, uh, that feel like they should have opened up this search. And they don't love the fact that uh, they promised the job to Gerard Mayo contractually and almost backed themselves into a corner where they had to hire Gerard Mayo there was other people available. Maybe there was other people that they didn't know were going to be available a year ago when they wrote that into Gerard Mayo's contract, like a Mike Rabel, for instance, who is obviously a Patriots Hall of Famer and, and a, a fan favorite around here. So when Mike Rabel becomes available, I think a lot of people are like, well, you don't even interview him. You, know, you don't even have him in the building. And, uh, you know, the Patriots stuck to their guns and stuck to their plan and are, are, are rolling with Gerard Mayo. But I think at the same time, it's, it's all about what they put around Gerard Mayo. And this coaching staff starting to come together a little bit. Um, I don't think it went exactly as planned on the offensive side of the ball. I think they had uh, bigger names, bigger fish on the offensive coordinator uh, that they didn't, weren't able to land. Uh, but in general, I think this is all about what they are able to put around Gerard Mayo uh, from a personnel standpoint in the front office. And that's another thing that they've kind of just handed the keys over to Elliot Wolf, who's very qualified and, and had uh, you know a lot of people in his corner, uh, but again, and not a open interview process. It's not like they went through like some of these other teams and and interviewed you know ten candidates for general manager and picked the best one. Uh, they once again almost went with this internal hire, like it's a private business, you know that they're just promoting from within all over the place, and uh, that has definitely brought on some skepticism about this plan. Is Mac Jones on the Patriots roster opening week? I don't think so. I think that when it comes to Mac, there are arguments to having him stick around in terms of being sort of that bridge quarterback to, let's say, a Jaden Daniels or a Drake May or something like that. Uh, but I think what it, what it boils down to is actually internally, there's just no longer a belief in the building, I don't think, for Mac Jones, and that Mac Jones is going to be the answer for this team. And he's lost a lot of the confidence and a lot of the, uh, he's you know, to put it frankly, he's lost the locker room, right? Like he, he just, it, there yeah. isn't a whole lot of confidence around him as a player right now. And, and I think it's best for everybody for, for him to be someplace else next year. As much as you could probably make the case that, rookie contract still affordable mm-hmm. you can win games with him even if he's not the driving force you can still uh, as we saw his rookie season and even at times in 2022 you can still win games as you buy time for the next quarterback to come in here uh, but ultimately I think a lot of people in this building have lost faith okay so that means they're obviously going in a different direction I don't think it's gonna be Bailey Zappi necessarily as a new franchise quarterback they do have the number three pick what are you hearing what do you think they're looking at to do with that three pick. Is it going to be a quarterback? Are they going to go outside to bring someone in and then surround that uh, that new quarterback with other players? Yeah, I would be pretty surprised if it wasn't a quarterback at this point. I mean, it's early and there's a long way to go and things could change, of course. But I just look at the opportunity of having the number three overall pick. And the Patriots haven't drafted this high since Drew Bledsoe, and they drafted him number one overall in the early 90s. So it's been a minute, and I just think that you look at the need and the fact that you are at the top of the draft. And, uh, yeah, you could maybe go the Baker Mayfield route and try to search for somebody like that that uh, could have a nice season and get you to the playoffs in a divisional round maybe. But how far are you really going to go with that quarterback? And 
is that really a, a long-term plan? You know, it's it's great what players like Baker do in Tampa or even Jared Goff to a degree in Detroit, but I think in terms of building this franchise for the next decade, let's say, uh, it's much more likely that you hit on a quarterback who has a little bit of a higher ceiling that can carry you there. And, and I just don't think you can bank on the fact that one, you're going to have the third overall pick or a pick that high up in the first round again. And two, uh, that there's going to be quarterbacks available that are worth taking there. I think this is a good quarterback class. Uh, there are three guys at the top and Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels that are all worthy of that pick. And next year, the class might not be as good or uh, you might not be quite as high. And then you're talking about having to give up assets to trade up or something like that. So I think that the opportunity is just too juicy there for them sitting at number three. Now we'll see uh, who ends up falling to them at three, and maybe it's not the guy that they want, and and so they end up uh, not going that direction. But I think as it stands right now, as we sit here a couple days after the Super Bowl, I would assume that they will take a quarterback. Is there a... Is there a particular, you know, favorite that people think or want or you do as far as, you know, what Gerard Mayo might might want, what Alex Van Pelt might want as a new offensive coordinator? Like, is there a a better fit maybe with any of these guys? I do think Drake May is a little bit of a better fit for the type of offense that Alex Van Pelt has run historically with Cleveland. You're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, a run first, under center, play action heavy, uh, almost like a Shanahan style offense in some ways like they – they, they've pivoted a little bit, but in general, the, the overall theme of that Browns offense is run the ball and play action off the run. I think you look at a guy like Drake May that uh, has all the physical tools, has the mobility, arm talent, and it looks comfortable throwing the ball from the pocket maybe a little bit more than somebody like Jaden Daniels. Like If you're going to build an offense around Jaden Daniels and you think you're probably going to be pretty spread-heavy, quarterback in the gun, you know, option-heavy in the run game, like those types of things. And that's not exactly what Cleveland has been or what Alex Van Pelt has been even going back to his days in Green Bay, let's say, as well with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So uh, I think in general it would probably be Drake May that would fit their scheme the best, but uh, I don't know if you necessarily can be that picky if you're the Patriots or you're thinking we can only take this guy because it's a scheme fit or as, you know, if you can't make Jaden Daniels work with his talents and his abilities, um, then maybe the scheme isn't as good as you thought. Let me ask you about two players on the Patriots' current roster who are going to become free agents and what you saw from them and, you know, kind of your general thoughts because Bills fans are looking at two different positions. They see Kendrick Bourne at wide receiver and a guy I loved coming out of the draft, Kyle Duggar at safety. Give me your thoughts on both those guys, their seasons, and where you think projecting they, they could wind up, not necessarily team-wise, but what they still have to offer. Yeah, so look, I, I love Kendrick Bourne. I think Kendrick Bourne is such an infectious personality. His energy is great. His locker room demeanor is great. He just puts out good vibes. And somebody that is always a ton, a ton of energy out in practice. And as you guys know, in Buffalo, when you December and it's 25 degrees out and you're practicing in pads on a Wednesday, like you need those guys, right? You need those guys to to carry you through those types of days. And Kendrick Bourne is one of those guys that's always got a smile on his face. Uh, Even in 2022 where he uh, had a rough year personally and it was kind of in Matt Patricia's doghouse and things like that. I I thought in general uh, he carried himself 
um, with the same type of attitude. So I, I love Kendrick Bourne, and last year, uh, you know, he was on pace to have a career year before he tore his ACL in late October in Miami. He was going to be up around 900 receiving yards and was really their best playmaker uh, through the first half of last season. Uh, so I do think that he is somebody that uh, a team like Buffalo to put him next to Stephon Diggs and Dalton Kincaid, you know, that would be a great fit for him. He's not a number one receiver, uh, but he's certainly somebody that can be a two or a three in, in a really good offense. And I, I think the Patriots have just missed the boat on that pecking order, as we've talked about here, you know, over the last couple of years at nauseum is they don't have the number one guy. Like they don't have the, they don't have a Stefan Diggs. but if they had a Stefan Diggs and Kendrick Bourne was more like the two, then all of a sudden it starts to make more sense in terms of your offense and, and your, your whole depth chart. And I think that's where Kendrick Bourne fits in for either a contender or the Patriots, you know, trying to bring him back and pair him with a T Higgins or pair him with a Calvin Ridley. And maybe that is a, a little bit more of a, something that makes sense in terms of Kyle Duggar. Look, you know, I, I think Duggar, he was one of a, a few draft picks recently that the Patriots have selected near the top of the draft that have actually panned out and turned into pretty good football players. And and that's been a big problem for the Patriots and why they're in the spot that they're in is that they haven't drafted well. And I think his uh, draft pick, you would say, was a success. It, it was a hit of a pick. But that being said, uh, he is a little bit of a boomer bust player. Around mm-hmm. here, we, we compare him to guys like, you know, uh, Jamie Collins, where there's like a lot of flash to his game. Uh, he's a very physical player, very versatile player, can play at all three levels of the defense, can play in the slot, can play deep safety, can play in the box, can cover tight ends. One of the more versatile players defensively in the NFL, and he's got that physicality and that size to be able to hold up in the box and uh, set the edge and uh, be able to play the run like almost like a, another linebacker uh, with speed like a safety. Uh, but he is a little bit inconsistent in coverage. He will give up plays. He will get lost in zone. Uh, he's not the, a shutdown player against tight ends. He can hold his own, but he's not – a guy that's going to completely erase an opponent's tight end. Uh, so there are some boomer bust you know, elements to his game. Like you guys saw it last year when Dalton Kincaid hit that big play on him in that game in Buffalo. So that, that does happen uh, at times with Kyle Duggar, but uh, he, he's around the football a lot. He makes plays on the ball. Uh, he does turn it over a decent amount and he can run with the football too uh, on returns and things like that. So uh, there's a lot to like about Kyle Duggar's game, uh, but for every two plays he makes, he will give one up. All right, Evan Lazar. Evan, I, like you and I are very similar in our, our baseball rooting against interest because you're a Yankee. You're, you're a Red Sox guy. I'm a Yankees guy. I'm assuming you're a Red Sox guy, right? Because you're in Boston. I'm a Yankees guy. We're watching what the AL East is doing. Pitchers and catchers report tomorrow, and I keep thinking, I don't know how you're going to beat the Orioles this year. I don't know how you're going to beat the Blue Jays this year. I know the Yankees are favored, not the Red Sox, though. It's been not a very good offseason. It has not been a good offseason, and I'll tell you what, as, as much fire as the Patriots are under for their season last year, there is no owner that is on a hotter seat in this town Ooh. right now than John Henry. John Henry, really? well, they've cut spending. I mean, they're they're yeah. middle of the pack now in spending. They don't spend like they used to on the team. Uh, they have all these different, you know, the Fenway Sports Group pro- portfolio. It's the Penguins. It's Liverpool. It's like all these different entities that they own now. And uh, they, they don't care about the Red Sox anymore. They, they've completely given up oh. on trying to make them a big market club. And I, I can tell you right now, if this goes on for much longer, then I, I don't know how much longer they're going to own the team. 
Well, you know what? We usually call you to talk about football. Maybe we'll call and talk about baseball sometime this offseason as well. Evan, uh, yeah, I love it. I I can tell. I I love it, man. And yeah, same boat here. Look, I know I'm looking at the odds. The Yankees are favored. I'm like, I don't know how. I'm looking at the moves the other teams are making in the AL East. But it is, and it is sad. Even as a Yankees fan, I mean, you know this. The baseball's better when you get a really great Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, and they're both good and going at it. And that's just not happening right now. No, it's not going to happen until they have new ownership in Boston. I just they they don't want to spend on the team anymore. Uh, they they don't go after players anymore. Like they they won their World Series, they ended the curse, and uh, now they they have their eyes on different things. You know, maybe Theo Epstein's back involved now. He's not involved in the day to day, but he's involved in the ownership group. So there is some hope that maybe he can get through to John Henry and Tom Warner and, and get them to start to care about the Red Sox again, but I'm, I'm not holding my breath. Evan, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll catch up down the road. Good stuff today. Really appreciate it, man. Anytime guys. All right. You got it. That is Evan Lazar. And um, by the way, again, easy Lazar on Twitter. He's very good. Let me just go back to his Twitter account and tell you where you can find his work because he does a really good job. And in case you don't know, not only does Evan cover the Patriots at Patriots.com, does really good stuff on the All-22 uh, stuff that he has. It's Patriots Catch 22 at Patriots.com and um, Easy Lazar on Twitter or X. Yeah, pitchers and catchers reporting mostly this week, tomorrow. Uh, really interesting, you know, what he just said about the Red Sox. I had no idea. And I didn't realize Theo Epstein was back with, uh, let me, what is his role? Let's see, Theo Epstein. Uh, he's involved with the Red Sox in some way. I did not realize that. Yeah, he was. He built the Red Sox in their World Series, and he built the Cubs in their World Series. So good for them. In the meantime, bold takes for the Bills. Bills offseason bold takes. I give you mine. I'll reset. We'll take calls. 803-0550. Still got a couple segments left to get your calls in. Got open phone lines right now on the Buffalo Bills offseason. Your bold takes. What do you think something is they're going to do that, yeah, might be a bit of a uh, a bold take to call your shot out there. Do it today on the Extra Point Show. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Come on, how can you not get jacked up when you hear this song, right? It's baseball season. Tomorrow, pitchers and catchers report tomorrow. Can you believe that? For the Dodgers and the Padres, they've already reported. Because they play a couple of games in Seoul, South Korea, March 20th and 21st. And then, if I'm reading this correctly... They come back to the States and play more spring training games 
before opening their regular season at home or in the Dodgers case. I don't know where the Padres do. So basically, they have two games in Seoul, South Korea. Real games. They count in the standings. And then they come back and play spring training games, and then they get back into the regular season. So, and as Josh was saying, which is right, it's, it's it works better than sending them over there during the season, and you have this whole break where they have to kind of be off in a day here, you know, probably some days surrounding it, which they've done, and teams and the leagues have done. But the NHL does this, right, Josh? The NHL sends teams over to start the season, and then they come back. Yeah, they did that this year with Ottawa and somebody. I can't remember who they played overseas, but mm-hmm. they were there for, I don't know, maybe like two or three games, if that. And then Ottawa had like a week off when they came back because of, you know, the time change and everything like that. They want their players to, you know, be ready to go. And that's why Ottawa has so many games. Like, they're, they've made up ground now, but they had so many less games yep. played than the rest of the NHL because of that. So, in a way, it's kind of an advantage the way the NHL does it, at least. But, like, with baseball, you have so many baseball games. You literally have one every single day except for, like, one day out of the week. So you can't say, oh, we're going to give you a week off. Because then it's like, well, then you're just going to play double headers like, right. all year long. Yep. But, by the way, my big, bold idea for MLB, and they would never do this because it's all about money, of course, but I just think that a Major League Baseball season is too long in the back end. Maybe even on the front end. Like, you, you play these games – in early April, now late March, in these cold weather cities, I remember one year Andy Pettit's on the mound for the Yankees opening day, and there's it's snowing everywhere. Uh, we've had games cancel because of that, you know, early in the season, and then you get late, and if these teams make it that are in cold weather cities, you know, uh, in October, it's just yeah, that's not baseball. Come on, baseball should be played in warmer weather. So how do you reduce the season? How do you reduce? You can still play 182 games. Just give me more doubleheaders on the weekends. But they won't do that because of money. Now, you could do day-night doubleheaders, but just make every other Saturday give me a doubleheader, a regular doubleheader. How many Saturdays is that? How many less days? That's two weeks of the season you could shave off. I mean, give me every Saturday, one or Sunday. Give me every Saturday or Sunday. One or the other is a doubleheader, and you're shaving off like a whole month of the actual season, and you don't have to worry about the cold weather. That's I'm the commissioner. That's what I'm doing. All right? That's my... Big idea that I'm doing in Major League Baseball. They won't do that, though. And I get why. I just don't like it. Because I just hate the fact that you're playing these games. Baseball's good. I love baseball. But, you know, playing in cold weather, just it's not, not that's not baseball. So they don't play in cold weather in spring training, obviously. They play in Florida and in Arizona. And in the Cactus League in Arizona, the Grapefruit League in Florida... Pitchers and catchers are reporting starting tomorrow. Like I said, other than the Dodgers and Padres are already there. Pretty amazing. It's already, it's Valentine's Day and you got that happening. And I'm looking at these Major League Baseball odds. I I guess because they're the Yankees. Folks, I'm a Yankees fan. I watch, I've rooted for the Yankees my whole life. They should not be the third highest favorite to win the World Series from me looking at, A, their own roster, which is still kind of aging. And, yes, I know they made some changes. And Juan Soto, it's great. Love that. But their own roster. But look, did you see what Baltimore is doing and who they are? I mean, Toronto is still good. Tampa is still good. The Red Sox, we just talked to Evan Lazar. I mean, that's just wild how bad they are. They're going to be for a while, it seems like. The Yankees should not be third or fourth team on the list 
They're the number one team. I'm, I'm looking at odds to win. Where is this? ESPN bet. Now, there's different sites you can go to. They have the Yankees as the number one team in the AL to win the World Series. I mean, no. I, I don't think so. Maybe I'm just reading it wrong. And... But look at the, here we go. Okay, so they're tied with the Astros at a few places. Astros a slight favorite over them in a few places. Then you have the Orioles right there with them, which I agree with. Uh, the Orioles at least being high. Yeah. So that's the odds to win the World Series. And then where's where's the, let me give the AL East odds. That was what was wild to me. I'm looking at AL East odds. I mean, you can get the Yankees at plus 135. Plus one sixty five is like the worst odd, worst odds you can get, but it's still better than the Orioles, which is plus two hundred plus everywhere. Then Blue Jays, Rays, Red Sox. Eh, I'll watch it. I'm excited now to see that. Like maybe the Yankees will be better than I thought. Yeah, probably not. Do you see the what Blue about, Jays are changes? getting? Yeah, the Blue well, Jays ahead, are I'm getting a uh, City Connect jerseys. What are they going to have? What is it going to look like? I don't know. The MLB posted about it that they're going to get them, but they haven't like given any hints or anything like that. It just says that mm. there's nine teams that are getting them this year. The Cleveland Guardians, the Detroit Tigers, L.A. Dodgers, Minnesota Twins, New York Mets, Philadelphia Phillies, St. Louis Cardinals, Tampa Bay Rays, and Toronto Blue Jays. It's quite a lot. Yeah. but I don't think the Yankees will ever get them. I don't think they wear those, do they? I I was thinking about that, but I don't think they will because of the whole, like, you know, the Yankee way kind of sort of thing. Of, yes, like, right. No, the pinstripes are no, so traditional. Yeah, and then no beards and all that stuff, too. Like, I just, it doesn't feel like a Yankee thing. And I don't, I, I think that's kind of okay, but at the same time, I wonder, I wonder what it would look like. Like, you know, but at the same time, like, what are you going to do with it? Because the Yankees have always had mm-hmm. the same uniforms. They've, they, they're really the only, the only way they've ever deviated is the gray. But, like, I don't know. I just don't think that there's really it, that much to yes. work with. So City Connect is basically something else that's a part of the city that they connect with. It's not just right. the baseball team, right? Right. So the Red Sox, that's why they're literally yellow and blue, I guess. like a <coughs> Kind of like a Chargers, like mm-hmm. a baby blue, but a more bright yellow. And that's to represent the Boston Marathon. And the finish line at the Boston Marathon is the same color. So you see that. But it doesn't have to be different colors. The White Sox have their Southside jerseys. That's their City Connect, and it looks like the White Sox jersey, but it's all you know black with the white pinstripes, and it says Southside on it. Um, there are different colors for different teams, but not all of them. So you don't have to change the colors. The Red Sox did dramatically, but you don't have to change the colors. I guess you could do maybe like like thinking off of the uh, the White Sox, you could do like the Bronx and like do like a reverse mm-hmm. pinstripe with like blue with white pinstripes. But I don't know. how. Yeah, that, that might look. And weird. they do they do have like a spring training jersey like that, by the way. They wear they, oh. that's what yeah they have a spring training jersey they wear that's very similar to that um, so yeah they could kind of go with something like that interesting well anyway I'm excited for baseball you know starting because it's kind of the representation of getting a little bit of warmer weather and getting out of oh you know the football and over the Super Bowl and I'm more this year than because I'm just don't want to think about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl again but at the same time there's a lot of Football stuff happening, Bills news. We got the combine coming up in a couple of weeks. That's when a lot of the league business starts rolling. You get agents there, you get head coaches and GMs, people talking. You start talking about money, free agents. Last year at the combine was when we basically, well, two things happened. Number one, that's when we learned that Leslie Frazier was not coming back. Number two, that's when we started to hear that Tremaine Edmonds was going to get paid by somebody. So I'm guessing this year the same kind of thing will be happening. You know, you hear those 
kind of rumors or whatever. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking combine this year is when we're going to start to hear teams that are going to be in on Gabe Davis and where his market might land. That might be. Let's um, let's go out to Brad in Rochester. Brad wants to chime in. What's up, Brad? Hey, Sal. I know you're talking baseball, and you guys don't usually that often, so I had to chime in. I know I you're a big Yankee fan. Yeah. I, I grew up. I grew up in Rochester, so I, I've been an O's fan my yeah. whole life. And man, they had some, they had some lot of down years when Angelos had the team. But um, going to last season, the Orioles were hot going into last season, the season prior. And I was like, man, if they can keep this going, and I'm, I'm not big on whatever you do in one season carries over to the next in any sport. I think that's that's ridiculous. But they started out hot last year. They stayed hot. And they were really, really good, and they got such a young roster. Man, you're right. They did it yep. the right way, the farm club, all that. They got rid of Angelos. He's gone, finally. Ripken took over with these guys to, to own the team. I'm thinking now maybe Baltimore will actually hang on to players and start paying them because they weren't paying them. But the fact that they had the Yankees, the odds, like higher than the Orioles going into the season, especially after the O's decide that pitcher Burns from Milwaukee, man, I think the Orioles are good. The division's the, the, the yeah. division is cannibalism. They're so good. All those teams are so good in that division. But I don't know how they got the Yankees ahead of the Orioles coming into this season. Not this year, man. Not this Me year. Me neither. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm looking at this team, and I'm like, how are how can you look at that roster, what they did last year, who they are, where they are, they're young players. I mean, yeah, Burns coming over there. I, I'm with you. I'm a Yankee fan. They shouldn't be favored to win the East. The Orioles should be favored to win the East. I love it. A little baseball talk going on here, but we still have a little football talk as well. We'll do that when we wrap up when we come back here on the Extra Point Show on WGR. All right, so the theme of today, question of the day, took some calls earlier, Bill's bold takes for the offseason. I gave mine yesterday on a podcast with John Scott of Spectrum News, also with Matt Perino of Syracuse.com and Joe Biscaley of The Athletic. We were all on it. You can check it out. And I'm not going to spoil theirs. They had theirs. I will spoil mine because I'll tell you about it. I did say my bold take is the Bills will actually move up higher than they normally do, like a couple spots last couple years, to grab a wide receiver. Now, free agency is going to change a lot of this probably, right? If they go out and get a couple free agents and wide, a couple free agent wide receivers nobody expected – yeah, I know they don't have the money, but you know you get all that. Uh, then that would change my opinion on them actually being able to do this or wanting to do it. I remember 2019 thinking, okay, receiver, receiver, receiver. Then they draft, then they sign John Brown and Cole Beasley, and you're like, okay, they're not doing receiver now, and they didn't. Um, but I do think that this might be the year they have. They will have ten picks. Brandon Bean can move around the board, and he loves to trade up if he can. They'll have ten picks. Not all ten guys are making the rosters. Much as they have to reset the roster a little bit here and there. You're still getting 10 guys. If you draft 10 guys, like three or four at least are probably going to have to be waived and you might lose them. So why use those picks? If you can use them to move up a little bit, you can use them as capital. I think they might do that. And I think the last few years, there's been players they like on the board who've kind of fallen a little bit, but not quite far enough. And they didn't jump when they had the chance. So if he looks at that and says, you know what? I'm not going to let that happen anymore. I need to do this. And they have to replenish the wide receiver room. Now you could stay where you are and still get a fine wide receiver. You can get a couple of them in the draft. That's fine too. You can move down. I always love moving down. Strategically, I think moving down is always the best case for any team. But my bold pick, my bold prediction right now as I sit here, very subject to change by the way, is that Brandon Bean and the Bills move up a little bit in round one to target a wide receiver. So I'll roll with that. I posted a video at Sal Sports on this very quickly and asked for your replies. So go check that out.
at Cell Sports on Twitter slash X. In the meantime, Sabres live up next. Sabres tonight, 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock pregame here on WGR. One Bills live after that. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. I'll be off the rest of the week. Enjoy the Extra Point Show without me, and I'll be back on Monday. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.